This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 386, kind of recorded on Monday, the 9th of July, 2018, but not entirely. Uh, so there you go. Welcome to the show, everyone. Jason, how you doing? I'm okay. And just for the record, I am entirely podcasting on the uh, the Monday, the uh, whatever the hell day this is. Oh, Scott's birthday. Happy birthday, Scott. Happy birthday, Scott. Yeah, that's right. Uh He'll probably never hear that, but hey, it's the sentiment that counts, right? Whatever. I wish my mom a happy birthday. She doesn't listen to the show. Yeah, good point. Good point. Well, thank you for tuning in, everyone. Today on the program, we have a full-length, in-depth review of the new Netflix film, Cargo, coming up a little bit later. Before that, Jason and I here are going to get caught up, as I always say, on all the latest Walking Dead news. So I think we're going to dive right into that right now. The Walking Dead News. Okay, Jason, it's only been a week since we did a lot of Walking Dead news, so there isn't too much more, but there is some more information about San Diego Comic-Con and stuff like that. If you will recall, last week, uh, news broke on the day we recorded that Yvette Nicole Brown would be taking over for Chris Hardwick hosting the panels at Comic-Con. Uh, due to his, you know, recent troubles. So she's since made a statement about that because there was an all there was all kinds of information coming out on on the internet about how she would be taking over for him on his shows uh, or just generally sort of, you know, taking his job, which is a little bit weird. Um, so she tweeted out uh, this. She said, I will say this once. I am filling in for a friend, which I have done before. I am not jockeying for a job. I have enough of my own. It's my prayer that God's will is done in the midst of this process and that everyone is okay. My character is known and sound. Nothing has changed. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, she says she doesn't want his job. She's not trying to take it over. She's simply doing a job when asked. And that's uh, that's great for her. Good. And Seems like a classy lady. I think so. And I think I think you're right. I think it's also good for us because I think she's going to do a great job moderating those panels. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to seeing them. All right. Speaking of San Diego Comic-Con, here are the details on the panels, which we didn't have last week. Right. It, and this is the Comic-Con that's happening in July, not the one that happened in June, right? The one that did not happen in June that I thought might have been happening in June but wasn't. Yeah, the one that's happening in July uh, okay. next <laughs> uh, in the next <laughs> in the next two weeks, <laughs> yeah, at some time in the near future, yeah, I think it's the twentieth uh, when it when it's on. So, um, Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead will both have hour long length panels. Fear coming first uh, on the twentieth, if I am not mistaken. Anyways, it will be at eleven fifteen a.m. until twelve fifteen a.m. in Hall H. That's the big hall down at San Diego Comic-Con. And the Fear the Walking Dead panel will include the following people, Coleman Domingo, Alicia Debnam Carey, Lenny James, Danae Garcia, Garrett Dillahunt, Maggie Grace, Jenna Elfman, and it will also have showrunners Andrew Chambliss and Ian Goldberg, and executive producers Scott M. Gibble, Robert Kirkman, Gail Ann Hurd, Greg Nicotero, and David Alpert. 
Awesome. That sounds awesome. So as many producers and showrunners as cast, really, maybe more even, <laughs> but that's about the, that's the usual group, I would say, for fear. Yeah, that's good. No uh, Madison, no Kim right. Dickens. That's okay. I guess so, but I would have thought maybe they'd do one more with her to bid her adieu. You oh, that's assuming she dies. Well, fine, assuming she dies. How about surprise guest? They bring her out halfway through and everyone goes crazy. Yeah. It's either her or, uh, oh, yeah, here comes my brain. Here it comes. <laughs> Not really. No, nope, forget it. <laughs> Moving on. All right. Well, I, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if they brought her out halfway through. So if you're lucky enough to be there, watch out for that. Bruce Campbell. Uh, it's either her or Bruce Campbell. Really Bruce Campbell could show up and just make any stage a better stage. True, but I don't think he'll be there. He has very little to do with the show. Oh, that doesn't matter. I guess I not. don't care. The Walking Dead will follow at 12.15 for an hour until 1.15. And on that panel, we will have Andrew Lincoln... Norman Reedus, Lauren Cohan, Denai Guerrera, Melissa McBride, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And they'll be joined by new showrunner Angela Kang, and then the usual group of producers, Scott Gimple Kirkman, Gail Ann Hurd, David Alpert, and Greg Nicotero. So cool. like half the cast, or half the panelists won't even have to leave the stage. They'll just hang out out there and uh, bring out some new actors. So a smaller group than usual, actually, for this one as well, when it comes to the cast. We don't have any of the secondary folks. We have really just the primaries on this one. Yeah. But we also do include Andrew Lincoln. So, I mean, if they take questions from the audience, and you have to assume they will take one or two, you got to think that the first question, or the one that everyone is going to want to ask is, Andrew Lincoln, what the hell are you doing? I'm having a life and a career, and, uh, you know, this has been a great run. Thank you very much. I'm moving on. People can move on. It's okay. Well, wh yeah, of course it is, but this forces them to, uh, or to address the issue, which AMC has not done to this point. Which is exactly why Kim Dickens isn't on the previous panel. Because, because then they'd have to, they'd be forced to address the issue, and they don't want to address the issue because they're fucking with us. Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. After after last time and uh, that statement about her leaving, uh, I was pretty convinced. But uh, the fact that she's not on this panel is pretty convincing, damning evidence, in my opinion, that uh, that they're messing with us. Because, you know, if uh, it's like uh, Schrodinger's uh, cat box experiment, uh, you know, you, you can't, you know, uh, uh, agree or deny uh, if you you have to either agree to it or deny it when when she's on the stage, but if she's not there, they don't have to address the issue. I guess so. The cat is either is both dead and alive at the same time until you look in the box. That's right. And if we aren't forced to look in the box with Kim Dickens, she can be both dead and alive at the same time. That's exactly correct. Thank you for eloquently putting uh, the words around my vocalized. Stop talking. <laughs> Jason's had a long couple of weeks, everybody. Oh, he's, my God. He's been working towards a, a big demo at work, and it's done. So now his his mind is just shut off, I think, yeah, after all that like, work. See you later, brain. <laughs> <laughs> and then you hear footsteps and a door slamming. That Exactly. The door has <laughs> slammed shut. Brain has checked out. Oh, well. Okay. You'll, you'll do your best. Uh, so those are the panels. As I said, they're both in Hall H. And before we leave 
San Diego Comic-Con. There are a couple of exclusives related to The Walking Dead that will be available. Although, overall, I think we're a little bit light on Walking Dead exclusives this year uh, because I could really only find information on two, and uh, usually there's more than that, I feel like. So maybe there will be a bunch of stuff there that we just don't know about yet. We'll have to see. Uh, But the ones they've announced are a four-pack of Rick action figures called The Evolution of Rick. And it includes Sheriff Rick, All Out War Rick, and two more Ricks that I feel like are potentially spoilery, so I'm not even going to say what they are. Ah. But both sets come in regular and bloody versions. Oh, Bloody Rick and non-Bloody Rick. And you remember I have a Bloody Rick and I accidentally opened it? Do you got an opened Bloody Rick? Yeah, I have two Ricks. I have a non-Bloody version of Rick and I have a Bloody version of Rick. And I meant to open the non-Bloody version of Rick as a display piece uh-huh. and I accidentally opened the Bloody Rick version. Okay, well, I don't know that it makes a big deal. Are those the, the original um, Walking Dead action figures that were released or, or yeah. did they come after that? Yeah. No, the original ones. Yeah. I have a Michonne that came with a drill from the comic. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. She, <laughs> she uses that drill for a very specific purpose. Yes. Uh, I have the same set. Yeah, the the original Walking Dead action figures that McFarlane put out. I think we both bought a set of them, and I've got mine sitting in my Walking Dead storage facility right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> also known as the closet, also known as the Talking Dead prize vault. I have it. Uh, I have mine are safely and secure in the uh, in the Miles Vault. Very good. Which is a box in the hallway. All right, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Climate controlled and everything. I'm sure it is. It's on the inside of the house. <laughs> good. Uh, so that's available. It's going to be a hundred bucks available at the Skybound booth, uh, but you do get four ricks, and everyone knows I could use four ricks. Everyone could use well, you, four ricks. So for two hundred bucks, you get eight ricks. Like the bloody versions and the non-bloody versions, so it's it's really a two hundred dollar purchase. Because what are you gonna do? Not get both? Well, I'm kind of with you there. Yeah, you're looking at two hundred bucks for eight ricks. Hmm. So good luck. Uh, the other thing is the Walking Dead number one eighty one. I guess that's the most recent issue of the comic. I'm a little bit behind. Uh, it'll be available with an exclusive cover, but I don't have any other information or have seen a picture of it even. So I'm not sure what you're going to get there, but that should also be available at the Skybound booth on the show floor. Right. So take a look for that if you are walking around. Okay. Um, Recently, uh, just last week, the um, AMC released new key artwork for The Walking Dead. And really this is to promote everything that's going on at San Diego Comic-Con. They released... A, an image for The Walking Dead and kind of a poster for Fear the Walking Dead. And I want to look at both, Jason, with you here right now and kind of talk through them a little bit because they're pretty striking, both of them, in my opinion, actually. Very, very different. But let's look at The Walking Dead first. Um, what we have here is a picture of Carol, Michonne, Rick, Maggie, and Daryl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick is front and center. He's the largest. He's kind of got his side to the camera, but he's he's looking back at the camera. And most notably here is a very short, well-cut do. He's got a short haircut on this. Yeah, short beard. He looks uh, he looks pretty good. He he really looks all cleaned up. Yeah. 
Um, he very much looks like Rick in the comics currently. And Rick has looked like that in the comics for some time now, but he definitely looks like, you know, post all out war comic book Rick. Um, so I think he looks great, but it's definitely a change. Uh, but what else about this image image strikes you, Jason? All right. So there's a lot to talk about in one little image. Sure. So first of all, there the background is a cityscape and it obviously is Washington, D.C., Yep. So I'm very excited about them going into a a city and b Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's going to be very exciting. And about all all the what is that the Capitol building that's behind them? I'm not sure of uh, Washington D.C. monuments or uh, not monuments, but uh, Capitol buildings and <laughs> various government offices and stuff. What building is that? I'm you know, pre- I'm pretty sure that's the Capitol building. Yep. <laughs> all right, all that talking for. Getting you right the first time. Yep. So there's the Capitol building, and behind on the left, there's other buildings, some leaning at precarious angles, mm-hmm. which is uh, very exciting. Uh, I, it looks very interesting. It looks like it's a there's a lot of crumbly crumbly for it being, what, four years, maybe five years from, uh, from the onset of the uh, zombie apocalypse? Yeah, the Capitol building itself is really in an advanced state of disrepair. Like, it's got large chunks missing the the roof is gone from the sort of upper portion um and it looks totally overgrown with with bushes and and growth so it does look like it's in way worse shape than you would think if it was just left alone for five years yeah if that's five years worth of decay then they built that like a piece of shit and they should go back and redo it (laughs) Uh, i'm sure it's built way better than that and i'm sure it would last 100 years left completely on its own before it looked like that so something must have happened uh either some kind of uh bomb or maybe some kind of acid ray from a green dragon or something i'm not really sure (laughs) but uh it does look like it's in pretty rough shape yeah yeah so uh, but the, all the buildings uh, back there look like they're in pretty rough shape. So wouldn't, I mean, Washington, D.C. is a pretty heavily populated place. There would have been a lot of people there, a lot of, therefore, a lot of zombies there early on, of course. Um, I wonder, yeah, I wonder if there was some sort of, you know, activity there that would have damaged the buildings like this. We do know that there was some bombing of Atlanta and right. why wouldn't there be some bombing of other cities in that case? So I feel like that Capitol building has been bombed out. You got to really be in deep shit to bomb the capital of your country, your own capital. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't make much sense, but it certainly wouldn't be that far gone just from sitting there empty for five years. So something must have happened, and it looks like it's damaged from explosives, to, me, to be honest. Or they just took some... Uh you know, clip art from the internet and threw it up in the background. And it has nothing to do with what actually is going to happen in the next season of the show. Well, I mean, I guess, but. At the or maybe it's just, it's clip art just to represent the idea that they're going to Washington, D.C. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm mostly excited about that. Like you said, that they're, they're leaving Alexandria and, or, you know, the kingdom, wherever they're, or the hilltop, wherever they're living now. And they're going into the city. They haven't yeah. really been in a truly urban area in a long time. So uh, I hope this means they're going into the city. And like you say, it's not just kind of a, here's a cool image, right? That doesn't mean much. Last year when we saw images of the satellite station, that was a thing. 
you know, and yep. and they haven't shown us locations in these posters that didn't play into the story. So I got to think they're going to Los, not Los Angeles, to uh, Washington here. Well, good, because then somebody can go into the West Wing and get that seal, that carpet seal from the Oval Office and uh, use it uh, in their own, like, house and stuff. I think that's a great idea. Maggie should just grab it, put it down in her office. I mean, she's the new boss, yeah, right? She's got a nice office. She does. Put, Put the uh, put the Oval Office seal or the uh, the seal of the president on there. That'd be uh, that's really a good idea. It's really great. And the Smithsonian's there, so there's lots to uh, to dig into there. I mean, you could get uh, the Spirit of St. Louis. You know, <laughs> tow that around. You know, cut the wings off and maybe bring it someplace. Put the wings back on. Uh huh. I think that's a great idea. There's isn't the uh, isn't there like a uh, the Mercury capsule capsules or something like that? There's got to be space program shit. Oh yeah, I'm that, pretty sure uh, there's a space shuttle in there now. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, get yourself a spacesuit. All kinds of good Zombies stuff. Zombies can't bite through spacesuits. I'm no, telling you. No way. You also can't run away from them, though, very fast. So might be might That's be true. Uh, not so great. Anyways, it's, a, it's a worthwhile trade-off, in my opinion. Sure. Why not? Uh, anyways, I think it's cool that this sort of indicates we're going into Washington. I look forward to that. Uh, anything about the other characters that are standing around behind Rick there? They all look pretty much... The same as they did the last time we saw them, I think. Yeah, they got standard equipment. They're wearing summer attire, so they're not going in the winter months. So I assume that they're uh, they're well lit, so I assume it's the summer. Oh, yeah, good point. Maggie's got short sleeves on. Michonne's got a tank top on. Daryl's got his vest and, and the long sleeve rolled up. And Yeah, so, weather doesn't affect Daryl. No, it doesn't. Carol's wearing a long sleeve shirt, too. But uh, you're right. They don't look like it's like wintertime. Um, yeah. Although I'll be surprised if we ever see winter on this show. They're certainly living in an environment that gets winter now, but we still haven't seen it. It's tough. It's tough to film in the winter. It's it's tough on the on the casting crew. It's uh it's pretty tough. I mean, look at Fargo. I mean, they filmed the whole film Fargo in the winter in order to make it seem like the cold uh Minnesota and the actual filming uh, it was like an unusually warm snap, so it was really difficult to film to get that feeling of uh, of, of coldness. And they had huh. to go and drive for hours to find snow, oh so God. that they, uh, yeah. And it's it was it's pretty crazy the filming. So it's it's you know filming in the winter when you want it to be winter, it's not. When you don't want it to be winter, it's a blizzard. Of right? course. <laughs> so uh, yeah, just film in the summer, get it over with, get and it film in Atlanta. Don't actually go to Washington. Well, that's the other problem. Yes, they film in a location that doesn't get very much winter. So, right. So I'm excited about the Washington trip. Uh, looking forward to seeing where that goes. There's one more thing about this image, though, that is notable, and that that's is actually two, two things. Two oh. things in one. Okay, you you go then. Tell me what they uh, are. There is uh, well, there's a helicopter. That's right. There's a helicopter in this shot, but uh, it's not the same helicopter that we saw in the show. How do you figure? This one is not a military helicopter. The one we saw in the show was like a a, a Vietnam era Huey, mm-hmm, I believe, mm-hmm. with like open doors and like skids on the bottom for landing and stuff. The helicopter in this shot is a modern commuter type thing with like wheels that extract or that like go down, landing gear that uh, gets pulled up and goes down. This is uh, this is an executive type helicopter. Huh. Yeah, you're right. That's a different helicopter. I didn't even think of that, but that doesn't look like the same helicopter at all. So, question for you. Yeah. 
are they just putting any old helicopter in here and we're supposed to make, believe it's the same helicopter? Or are they really trying to tell us there are more than one helicopter? Well, they're over, it's, it's flying over Washington, D.C. And if you're going to have some kind of um, uh, high-end uh, luxury commuter helicopter, it's a pretty good bet that there's a couple of them in Washington, D.C. Is that really what you call this thing, a commuter helicopter? Like, couldn't well, this it's, be... it's the kind of thing you get into to go to the airport, like, right? You're, like, you're in downtown Manhattan, and you're like, man, I got to go all the way to the airport. Let's take the <laughs> chopper. And you go up onto the roof, it lands, you get in, you go to LaGuardia, then you get in your private plane, and, and then you go off to Paris, right? <laughs> That's the kind of thing you do. Or if you're in Toronto, and you're, at the, in, you're in the office tower right downtown, and uh, you got to go to the cottage, because it's Friday at 3 o'clock, or, sorry, 11 a.m., and the helicopter lands, and you get in, and you fly to Muskoka, and you, uh, uh, and then you land on your private helicopter, helipad barge on uh-huh. your private island, and then you get out, and uh, the helicopter flies away, and uh, bada-bing, bada-boom, at uh, 11.28, you're at the cottage. I don't know what kind of life you live, man, but it sounds nice. Yeah, well, it's the fantasy life, but... I think it's a commuter. It's 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 for executives to get from point A to point B in a very luxurious way. Okay, so that couldn't be a military helicopter either. Like it, it it could be, but yeah. it's a luxury military helicopter. They have luxury military planes for like flying around five star generals that need to go golfing. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> well, anyways, I think you make an interesting point. It does not appear to be the same helicopter. I don't know. I kind of think they just figure, well, it's a helicopter. We'll throw it in there. We don't have to worry about it being the same one. But, I mean, attention to detail is important. So This is why I think that the backdrop is just uh, a representation. This is all just a representation of what the plan is, right? We've got a... You know, a Rick with a nice trimmed beard and a shortcut haircut, and uh, they're going to Washington, D.C., and we saw a helicopter before. We might see it again. This is all just um, in the abstract, I think. Hmm. Okay. So you it, it, I don't right. think it represents reality. It just represents the idea of what's going to happen in the next season. Okay. Well, I, I hope it's a little more literal than that. Um but but I, I do think it's interesting that you point out that it's a different kind of helicopter. So it could be it could be that the Capitol building is not so destroyed um, and that the helicopter is just something else. Yeah. All right. Um, was that both your points or did you have a, that, another one? That was that was both of them. That right. There was a helicopter and it's not the same one. OK, cool, cool. All right. Um, that's it for that then. I think it's a pretty good looking image uh, i like it it's simple it's straightforward it doesn't have too many characters on it and it really just focuses on the main cast that's true yeah okay flip over to fear the walking dead now and they put out what looks to me like a old school painted movie poster i don't know i don't think this was actually painted i think it's just a good uh, photoshop job or something like that but it has that style where you get like a whole bunch of character faces all mashed up, like the old original Star Wars posters, if you know what yeah. I mean. Well, the only problem with that is we don't have anybody that is bikini clad uh, in this poster. If this was truly an old timey 80s movie poster, there'd be a lot more skin. 
maybe, but they don't all have that. Like, if you look back at the original, like, Drew Struzan, that guy who used to paint movie posters, he did the Back to the Future one and stuff. Actually, I don't know if he did the original one, but he's done one since then. And he did a lot of these style painted movie posters. And they're all really, really awesome from an artistic perspective. But that's what this reminded me of. Uh, it, it is. It is very much like that. You know, th- this kind of thing. But what we have here is we've got, you know, Morgan and Alicia mostly front and center. But Morgan is the biggest. And surrounding him, we've got Luciana, uh, June, Strand, um, uh, John Dory and Al all, I'd say roughly the same size as sort of the secondary cast. We've got some zombies. We've got Al's big truck there, which is cool. Uh, that's not Al's big truck. Is that not Al's truck? No, that's no. a different truck. Yeah, you're right. It is a different truck. So, so we've got that, which is cool. We don't know anything about that new truck. Um, they're all kind of superimposed on top of... Is that a overhead shot of a hurricane, of a storm? I think it's some kind of maelstrom. It looks like water to me. Like there's some kind of uh, vortex in the in in the water. Uh, I'm not sure what it is. It does look like it's the you know an overhead view of a hurricane, but to me it doesn't look like clouds. It sort of looks like clouds, but it sort of looks like water down near the bottom around the truck. That kind of looks like water to me foamy water yeah i agree it does look like water i think it's supposed to be more of a weather thing like a hurricane like uh twisty funnel cloud hurricane thing but with zombies flying around in it yeah there are some zombies flying around it's you know it's like the you know in um wizard of oz it picks up the cows in the house house and stuff like that so yeah Poor i cows, think man. i think it's supposed to look like that the other thing, too, is we have, and this is why I said, you know, it sort of looks like it's painted or reminds me of that style, is that we have, like, black paint streaks, like, stream, streaming down the bottom of it, kind of. Yeah. So I think that was pretty cool. Um, but, I mean, what do you think of this style? Does this scream Fear the Walking Dead to you? Or is this, like, them trying something new? Oh, these kind of posters also you can't take literally, right? Like. Look at the Star Wars posters, like the first Star Wars poster. It had nothing to do with the movie. That was just to get you excited about going to see a movie. And then you got into the movie and then all of a sudden, holy shit, it's Star Wars. Right. But uh, so this kind of poster, again, I don't think we can take it literally. I think we can take aspects of it. Like, I don't think there's going to be a uh, some kind of hurricane. Well, there might be a hurricane, but there might be a tornado. They can get hit by a tornado. Why not? Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a tornado. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I think it's just a, an excitement uh, kind of abstract idea of what, again, like what could happen in the, in the, uh, in the show. And we also have a, uh, uh, what looks like a, a street sign or a highway sign that says CR 91. I wonder what that means. I don't know. First thing I thought of was already. <laughs> I, Cause I'm thinking, <laughs> what, what, what? CR 91 change request number 91. Like, we just did our demo. Uh, we just started our systems integration testing, uh, and we're about to start our our our, our user acceptance testing. And then uh, there's bugs, like there's actual defects in functionality that uh, doesn't work properly. And then out of this testing will come change requests. Uh-huh. So I'm thinking 91 change requests already. We just started sit today, so <laughs> that's why I'm thinking shit already. <laughs> yeah, so soon. Jeez, so soon. Um, yeah, so I don't know what that means. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, people have, have looked it up online and, uh, you know, there's 
CR91, I found a Reddit thread here, uh, CR91 in Ohio. Um, I don't know what that means. Uh, CR91 road sign in Midland, Texas, which is southwest of Austin. Who knows? Um, you know, I don't know. It could just be a random road sign. It may not really mean too much, but it's there. So I feel like we'll probably come across it in the show in the second half of season four. But I think everybody in this poster looks pretty cool. And, you know, John Dory is awesome. He's got his gun up and Alicia is still swinging that piece of the um, of the big uh, gun they found at the water park, which yep. looks pretty good. Uh, we got some zombies with big, I don't know, big uh, posts through them, or at least one there with a big piece of metal sticking out of his out of yeah, his chest. Yeah, we're, get, we're getting a tornado. I mean, there's there's signs flying around. There's stuff sticking out of zombies. There's yeah. zombies flying around. There's a truck uh, with uh, paint that is the, so the paint that's going down. I see that as uh, oh my god, a hurricane is coming. Let's tether this truck to the ground. Mm-hmm. Right, so you kind of stake it to the ground so it doesn't fly away. Nice heavy truck, get inside. Weather's well, a storm. We also have some kind of machinery behind the truck, like a yellow. Uh, I'm not sure whether they're in a junkyard or what kind of machinery that might be. Uh, we also it looks like we have a couple of cases of beer uh, and yeah. a keg, maybe. It looks like a keg. You're right, and then cases of bottles or something. I think that machinery might actually be like train cars. Like yellow train cars. That looks like a, the end of a train car with the door open, kind of. Kind of, yeah. Kinda. Oh, yeah. Okay, so a couple of train cars and a bridge. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're getting a tornado. I, I think we actually might be getting a tornado, yeah. Uh, they're going to have to fight the weather in the second half of season four. And and the poster does have the word storm on it. So that's a pretty big indicator. No that, calm uh, after the storm, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to, we're going to, we're getting a, we're getting a tornado. Okay. And zombies are going to fly around like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz, and a house is going to land on the Wicked Witch. I don't know who the Wicked Witch is, but it's going to happen. Yeah, definitely going to happen. There's also a keep out sign, I think, flying around in the Is that what that says? Well, it says keep something, it, and it looks like an O. So, I mean, it's got to say keep out. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. It comes back August 12th, and we're getting a storm. So I think both of these pieces of art for the shows are really good. You know, the Walking Dead one is pretty straightforward, a little bit understated. There's some mystery, but it's very clean and there's not a lot going on, right? There's no words. They don't have the Walking Dead on there at all. No, exactly. There's no words. I mean, I pulled that from the AMC website, the one I sent you. On the site, they layer text over it and stuff like that. But Oh, I see. But just I'm by getting itself, misinformation. Well, not really. By itself, it is what it is. For Fear, it's a poster, and it is definitely a poster for the show. I wouldn't be surprised if you can buy these posters at San Diego Comic-Con. And oh, yeah. You know what? I'm, I'd consider it, because I think it's a pretty pretty cool poster. Everything's for sale. Yeah, everything is for sale, exactly. Uh, all right, so if anybody has any other thoughts on, on this art, uh, send us an email, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear what you guys think of these things, uh, if you like them as much as we do. Okay, one more item in the news before we uh, call it a podcast, Jason. There is a new book out, and that is called The Quotable Negan. It is now in stores and available online, and it's kind of a Negan book 
Negan's celebratory book. You know, it's about him. It's about the things he said in the TV show and the comic. And here's the description from Skybound. This collection of quotes, trivia, and exclusive behind-the-scenes material focused focused on everyone's favorite bad guy, the violent, foul-mouthed, and charismatic psychopath Negan, is an essential guide for all fans of both the AMC television show, The Walking Dead, and the original comic book series. Whether you're familiar with the hit TV show, the comic series, or both, one of the most memorable characters is Negan, the barbed wire baseball bat-wielding leader of the Saviors. Now, in the quotable Negan, you can discover fun and fascinating trivia, his most badass quotable moments, and much more. Uh, what it doesn't say there is that it also includes the Here's Negan backstory that was recently published by uh, Image. Right. So um, it, it's all about Negan. It's all there. I must admit, it's a good looking book. It's nicely designed. It's sort of coffee table style. So you can put it out when you have company over and they can open it up and read the first page, which says you're nothing but a fuckity fuck fuck fucking fucker <laughs> fuck man, which is the kind of thing Negan might say. <laughs> um, so, you know, as unnecessary as I think this book is, I do think it looks nice and is well designed. So, you know, why not? Pass. No interest. No interest in getting the quote. <laughs> not <Negan>. at all. <laughs> What if you could get it autographed by Jeffrey Dean Morgan? Mm, I'd rather have other stuff autographed by Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Like your uh, butt cheek? Uh, no, oh. not really. <laughs> I've never I've never had the desire to have any butt cheek, any of my butt cheeks autographed. All right. Hard to look at it anyways by yourself. So. Well, it's the kind of thing, if uh, you're going to get your butt cheek autographed, it's a significant enough event that the first thing you do is walk into a tattoo parlor and have it tattooed on your ass mm-hmm. for permanency. Because, you know, but I've never, uh, I've never aspired to have that level of commitment to any signature. No, I have no tattoos. I don't think you have any tattoos. No tattoos. Not. Uh, one tattoo, but. I gave that to myself when I stabbed myself in the head with a pencil in grade nine. A little blue mark on my, it's actually might even be in my hairline now because your skin moves, right? It flows. Sure. It started off right by my eye and now it's like way up in my hairline. But it's a little blue mark that I stabbed myself and got. Please be careful stabbing yourself next time. Oh, I was trying to impress a girl. Go figure. (laughs) First day of grade nine. It was awesome. Watch this. I'm going to stab myself in the head. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I've, you know, I don't think I'm going to pick up the quotable Negan, but it is a nice looking book. It's just not the type of thing you want to put out when your mom comes over, you know, to have tea and she's going to read about Negan. I don't see that happening. Maybe you're I mom. don't own any, I don't own any coffee table books. I'd, you'd be hard pressed to find a coffee table in my house. Yeah. Well, let alone coffee table books other than the, the little blue truck. <laughs> Which is an awesome book, by the way. Sure. I'm, I imagine Jasper really likes it. He loves it. There's, uh, I love it, too. It's one of my favorites. Okay. Very good. Well, again, if anyone has the quotable Negan, and I know lots of people do out there online, so uh, let us know if it's worth picking up or not. I think it's only 15 bucks, so it's not an expensive book, but... It's even worse. If it was 40 bucks. It might be a little bit compelling because then that it's a true coffee table book. It's the thing you kind of plunk down and go, holy shit, look at this thing. And you, you leave through it and you find all about Negan's, Negan's life story and about Lucille's life story and uh, all kinds of quotes and stuff. And you can chuckle to yourself while you're waiting for whoever 
Why mm-hmm. are, like why are you reading a coffee table book? Probably because you're bored and waiting for something. So uh, you know, but for fifteen bucks, it's the kind of thing you buy and you give to give somebody as a gift, and they go, "Oh, look, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, you know that I like this show." And then you put it on a shelf, and then you sell it in a garage sale two years later for twenty five cents. <laughs> well, that's just sad. <laughs> it is. I, I hope everyone who purchased the book is happy with their purchase. Yeah. All right. I just. Talking about me, mostly. Of course. (laughs) Uh, All right. That's all the news, everyone. If you have any thoughts or comments on that, by all means, send us an email. All right, Jason, thank you for joining me today. We are going to take a small break. And when we come back, we're going to do a full-length, in-depth review of the Netflix film Cargo with some special guests. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, not me. Not you. I didn't want to watch the show. No, you didn't want to watch the show. Do you want to tell everyone why? Well, I kind of, I kind of do. I have a hard time with uh, anything that puts uh, babies in danger. And I know that this baby is going to be in danger in this TV, in this movie. Uh-huh. And uh, whether it turns out fantastic or whether they throw the baby into a ravine in order to kill it so that it doesn't become a baby zombie. I have no idea uh, what this movie is about. But uh, the thought of sitting down and watching a movie where I know a baby is going to be in danger. I don't think so. I have a hard enough time with the shit that runs through my head about babies in danger, uh, let alone actually watching something and pretending that I'm interested for an hour and a half. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I, I've experienced stress watching babies on screen too. It, It doesn't take me very much to get, um, you know, stressed out when a baby is in even close to being in danger on screen, but I wanted to watch this because it had Martin Freeman and it looked interesting. So I did it, but I completely understand why you might not want to. I love Martin Freeman. I wish it wasn't him. Yeah. Because then I feel better about just skipping it, but I don't know. Who's the baby? Is the baby somebody? No, the baby is just a baby. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. Well, stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back after this with our review of Cargo. Welcome back, everyone, to the program. Uh, We are here to talk about a new Netflix movie, but we've got some special guests joining us right now. I'd like to welcome Scott and Kim from the Fear Me podcast to the show. Hey, guys, how's it going? Great, great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, great. We're enjoying ourselves here. Awesome. So you guys are two thirds of the regular Fear Me crew. Um, which I'm sort of bummed about because if we had five people on the show right now, it would be a new record for us. Wow. Oh, yeah. well, you know, we can get him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's just I mean, upstairs. 
<laughs> not only that, Stu is kind of our foil, so it's it's kind of sad not to have him on here. Okay. Um, I guess I'll have to make fun of Kim tonight then. All right, yeah, well, we're that, really good at about that. That that can be <laughs> that can be your role. Um, also here instead of Mr. Jason Miles, who is normally around, is a voice you've heard before who hasn't said anything yet. But uh, Christina, my wife, she's joining us for this review as well. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> it's it's funny because I almost forgot to introduce yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking I was sitting here like is he going to say something or am I just going to launch in here? No. How can you forget that? We, maybe we could have just pr- proceeded as if you were Jason and see if anyone noticed. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Change your voice. Yeah, why not? All right, so we're going to talk about cargo in a second, but you guys uh you've been covering preacher right now if I'm not mistaken, right? Because yes. it's back. Yes, we mm-hmm. are. So I want to ask you guys a question about that. Okay. We watched Preacher Season 1, really, really enjoyed it. I At loved least, it. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then we started Preacher Season 2, got about a third of the way through, maybe half, and then sort of dropped off. And I really want to go back to it and finish it off. And I'm not sure if you do. But I don't really want to. I want, I want <laughs> you guys. You kind of lost me a little. Well, see, uh, Scott and Kim, I want you guys to... Tell us if we should and probably convince her that we should keep watching it because uh, season three is amazing, I bet. Oh, you absolutely. certainly should go back to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing that's kind of fun about Preacher is it really does seem like um, each season it's a little bit of a new show. Um, it's almost kind of like um, uh, American Horror Story. Yep. It's, uh, you know, same characters, but the premise kind of changes. Uh, there's still the underlying uh, search for God going on, um, but the characters are just fantastic and they just keep getting more and more interesting. This season's characters are uh, very dark. I'm waiting for some of the, the really good dark humor to come back uh-huh. that has been prevalent in the first two seasons. Um, and I know it will be, but uh, I, I would definitely recommend getting back to it. All right. Cool. Cool. I, I loved the first season so much. And uh, the the bit that stands out for me is, I think, happened really early on, that airplane fight with the first episode, I think. Cassidy. Cassidy. Very yes. first. Cass- I, well, and Cassidy is like my favorite character on the show. Yeah, that was oh, yeah. amazing. So good. His character saved the show, I think, in the first season, probably. It kept people tuning in. And I think that this season, he, he's so far, he's kind of taken a backseat to everything else that's going on. Which there's been a lot going on, and we're only on uh, episode three right now. But, you know, I also want to give a plug to the fact that they're in New Orleans, which is one of my favorite cities in the entire country. United States, where we're from, United States, guys. Um, <laughs> since you guys are in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> you can't tell um, by our southern accents. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so there's a lot, you know, New Orleans has its own persona about it and the swamp and, you know, the whole thing everything that goes with it, the voodoo religion and everything. So you add that to the storyline that you already have for the premise of Preacher, and it just makes it an amazing show. And it's very weird, very weird. Yeah, that was one of the things I loved about it. It was amazing and kind of weird. And the way season one ended was really super weird, I thought, but really entertaining and good. So I don't know what it is about season two that made us quit, but... We're going to go. I got to go back to it anyways. I'm I, I tell excited. you, the that first episode, though, of season two with the uh, come Eileen, come on Eileen uh, car chase. That's awesome. Yep. Oh, that was <laughs> amazing. Hilarious. That was amazing. Yeah, I remember. 
All right. Well, enough about Preacher. We'll maybe do a show about that at some point. But uh, let's talk about Cargo. So this is a recent Netflix original film. Uh, it is directed by Yolanda Ramke, or Ram- Ramke. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but hopefully that's close. It is starring Martin Freeman, who you will know from such things as, what, the original Office? Yes. I mm-hmm. The yep. British Office. The British Office. And uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He played Arthur Dent. Yep. yep. Yeah, and also the Tolkien stuff. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, he was uh, <laughs> okay. a young Bilbo, Bilbo, Bilbo yes. Baggins, and Bilbo also Baggins, he yeah. was on an epi- a season of Fargo. Yes, oh, right. and he was right. so right. good he was on that really season good. of Fargo. Oh, jeez, yeah, I love I love the Minnesota oh, accent. That's my like really horrible <laughs> Minnesota accent. I apologize to anyone from Minnesota right now. It's pretty good. It's, it's <laughs> no, just that's the, great. Those are the only great. two words you can say. Yeah, like that's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez! Oh jeez! <laughs> so, so here's the description from IMDb of Cargo. After an epidemic spreads all over Australia, a father searches for someone willing to protect his daughter. And I don't know if you guys were aware of this, but it the movie is based on a 2013 short film of the same name, and actually by the same director. So I I wanted to start to just by finding out if any of you guys happened to see that short film back then. Yes. Uh, I actually just watched it today for the first time. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. And wow. It'll be fresh in your mind then because I haven't actually seen it since it came out. And I kind of remember the basic idea of it and more of it came back to me when watching Cargo. But what did you think of that that short film Cargo before we get into the, the remake or the expansion of it? Kim, you want to talk about it? Yeah, I saw it when it first came out. And for some reason, this was back in 2014, I think, that when it came out, maybe 2015, I was remembering that it was one of those short films that The Walking Dead producers had put out for the web. But it wasn't. It was actually um, produced by uh, Yolanda Ramke, like you had said. And um, so I watched it again today, and it 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 was really good. I remember being taken by it back then. Just I remember crying. I remember being overwhelmed with emotion about this father and trying to save his daughter. Um, and just the fact that it was a male figure mm-hmm. and not the mom really right. struck me. And then today seeing it, I think I like <laughs> I like the short film a little bit better than the 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 longer version. But it still has the same emotion behind it. So it, I think it's awesome. And, and if anybody hasn't seen it, I, I definitely recommend seeing it. Especially especially after you have seen the Netflix cargo. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, it, it kind of, you know, uh, weeds out all the stuff that may have bothered you with the longer version and gets right down to brass tacks. And right. it is an incredibly touching show. Um, short flick. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I just thought it was it was very creative. It was it's a, certainly a very different look at the zombie mm-hmm. genre, um, and and I thought it was incredibly powerful. Um, the acting, of course, wasn't up to what you would expect for some stuff, but it was a short film. Um, and uh, like I said, having seen the longer version, I I think I appreciated the shorter version even more. Yeah, and that's actually one of the reasons I didn't go back and rewatch it right away because I. 
I realized that I remembered it. I mean, I didn't remember it that well, just kind of the premise, but I didn't really remember how the story played out in the short film version. And I kind of wanted to see, or, or at least let the, the longer Netflix version of Cargo kind of just sink in first before I went back and, and rewatched that short one, because I didn't want to compare them immediately sort of following each other. Sure. You know? mm-hmm. Um, right. so, so then, uh, you know, speaking of the, of the longer expanded version, uh, what did you guys, what did you guys think of this? Um, it sounds like, you know, maybe you don't think it quite expanded as well as it could have, but, uh, overall, what did you feel? how did you feel about cargo, Kim? Um, I liked it. There were definitely some slow spots. There were some parts of the story that we probably didn't need. And I don't, I mean, I guess it just lended itself to understanding the reasoning behind some, some of what the characters were doing. Um, but overall, I think it was a fantastic movie. I enjoyed it as much the second time as I did the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was emotional for me. I definitely cried at the end. <laughs> and <laughs> that's always a good indication. Damn, you cry at everything. Come on. I know. I know. <laughs> you cried um, at the end of Ghostbusters. No, oh, stop. <laughs> but yes, it was it was a fantastic movie. I really liked it. Scott, what do you think? Um, you know, it's funny. When I... Um, I had two thoughts while I was watching it. Number one, I thought that the the concept of the film was really strong. Uh, it was really neat, a different take. Um, but I didn't feel like the execution was very well done. Uh, I felt it was really bogged down in the middle. Um, and and having gone back and watched the shorter version a couple days later, it made me really feel that even stronger. Because the the points that are hit upon on the short version are really the strong points of the long version. Right. Right. Um, I don't think a lot of the extra storylines and so forth that were going on in the longer version brought much to the story, to tell you the truth. Even though I did like the uh, the character of, um, oh, what was her name? She was Edda? the. Yes, Edda. I thought Edda was yeah. was a nice addition to it and mm-hmm. so forth. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, 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 it certainly had some, some interesting takes. And one of the things I kind of joked about in my head when I was watching, it was like, Hmm, I think Mark Martin Freeman wanted a uh, vacation to the Australian outback. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, you know, I got to say this, it, it doesn't matter what it is. That guy is a lifesaver to a film. He is he is such yeah. an excellent actor. He's a great um, actor. He really downplays his parts so well to the point that they're very familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, he, you know, every time I, my mind started wandering away while watching it, it, when he came back on the screen, I was zap right back on it. And uh, so that was a big saver. I would agree with that about Martin Freeman. He was great in this movie. Uh, and I think in a way, I mean, I did like it too, uh, but I think in a way it's better because he was in it. Um, yes. he's, he's super believable as kind of an everyman father who mm-hmm. is working his way through this pretty rough landscape, really. And, uh, you know, having made even tougher because he's hauling a baby around with him. And I think with other actors, you know, they wouldn't have been able to pull it off quite as well. So I think he was really important to this film. But, uh, you know, I also agree with you when you say it's a it's a fantastic premise. 
and sounds like it's, uh, you know, amazing on paper, but they, <laughs> and, and, and again, although I did enjoy the movie quite a bit, I feel like they didn't quite pull it off right. the way they could have uh, on film because it's designed to be, and even just thinking about the idea of traveling across sort of a zombie landscape with a baby, you know, it's designed to be extremely tense and just dreadful. And there was a fair bit of that in the movie, but I don't think it was quite as sort of, I don't know, tense as it, as it could have been maybe. Right. I found well, quite a bit of tension myself watching it. Like I felt tense watching it, but mm-hmm. I'm also certain parts I'm, of it. Most certainly. I'm yeah. like a bit more of a wimp when it comes to these <laughs> movies compared to you guys. Well, <laughs> I don't like, I honestly am like, Oh, some parts were just too much for me just because I'm thinking of about it from a parental standpoint. Like I'm watching right. it unfold and like, oh, some parts I was like, oh, no, this is too like this is too well, close to home. But, but and, see, that's ugh, that's funny because in terms of- usually for me, it doesn't take very much um, to ha- when you have a baby on screen in mm-hmm. any sort of danger to start feeling really, really freaked out. But, yes. I, but I didn't always have that feeling in this movie. And I maybe that's a good thing, like, you know, or or not. I, I'm not sure. Like there were well, scenes. You know, one thing one thing that's I'm sorry, I don't mean to catch up. But one thing that was really important about this movie with the baby is they didn't give you those. They didn't force those baby distress scenes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You no, know what I mean? For sure. I mean, they did a good job of not trying to push that across, yeah. which I thought was actually worked well with Martin Freeman's acting. Yeah. And I, I should clarify, like, I never felt like the baby so much was in danger. It was more just the knowledge of like, and I'm giving a spoiler away. That's okay. Here. We can yeah. spoil the movie. Don't worry about so, it. So yeah, I mean, if people are listening, then you know. Yeah, if you haven't seen Cargo, everyone just <laughs> go go watch it. The Turn off now and come on back. But the, yes, spoiler warning fact, for Cargo. Just the fact that like you know the mother dies, and then he gets bit, and then you know he's gonna die, and it's just so like, yeah. I just all I could think of was like. Oh my God, what if that happened to me? And then my kids yeah. are left behind. And oh my God, like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just all, I, I just, I personalize it a lot. And yeah, that's the potential of what could happen. Yeah. And I think that that's why I found it very tense. Is like, well, that's, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, the whole premise was, you know, was all about the the father trying to find a place for the child. The, mm-hmm. the everything with the zombies and all was just background music. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, this was a this was a distressed father trying to desperately find a way to take care of his child, and that yeah. was what this movie That's, was about. Yeah. And you know, honestly, I mean, one the first strike against everything is the fact that they are in the backcountry of Australia. I mean, yeah. how many people are you going to encounter there? Yeah. I didn't think you would see even as many as we saw on the movie. So my first thought was the baby's just going to die because it doesn't have food and water and shelter, that sort of thing. No one to take care of it, let alone yeah. the fact that there's like the infected dead running around everywhere. Um, so I think that was like the overall haunting part of the entire movie oh for sure what could happen for sure right right and that's exactly what i meant like where my mind sort of went you're just imagining like oh my god if he doesn't find someone like what is going to happen to that child Mm -hmm. and oh you know i think i think one scene that that really kind of set the mood early on was the scene when they saw the family on the shore of the of the river having a birthday party Mm -hmm. right 
and yeah. and he kind of oh, goes yeah. out onto the bow of the boat and waves to them, and the father looks over at him and shows him a gun. Yeah, mm-hmm. very discreetly and, though. Like, yeah, very so discreetly. His family doesn't right. see didn't him, want to yeah. upset his family, mm-hmm. and uh, and it kind of set the mood for for the fact that the this was um this was every man for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's a good little bit of world building there right it really tells you what mm-hmm. the what this universe is is like and everyone is alone you're fending for yourselves there's probably not that many people left uh and like you said kim especially where they are they're in the middle of nowhere in australia um and but but i liked that that scene too uh and and they're you know as the f- sort of opening of the film went before uh andy uh his name is right andy Mm -hmm. andy yes Yes. before Uh before andy's wife is is bit or dies you know they they do that little scavenging run to to the sailboat um which i thought was a decently little tense scene you know you're not Mm -hmm. sure if the door Mm -hmm. is is moving when he's searching the boat and then he gets out fine and then when she goes over there and ultimately gets bit by something you know we don't even see it so Mm. um I sort of I sort of enjoyed that and it mm-hmm. did set the tone a little bit too because the the zombies in this or uh whatever the hell they are aren't mm-hmm. really um aren't really the focus and exactly. I I'm not even sure if if Andy has to kill one other than his wife. I mean, right. I know he goes shooting with Vic, that other character they meet, but right. that's, that's yeah. kind of against his, his will. Mm-hmm. And really they're just trying to get away from them. And, you know, the movie is about what do you do when you know, you only have 48 hours to live and exactly. <laughs> you have a baby on your back. So yeah. exactly. Yeah. The introduction of the, uh, the little Fitbits that they wear mm-hmm. with their yeah. time counting down, yeah. <laughs> uh, was, was actually a really, really great idea. Um, yeah. and, and I also thought that the, um, uh, I don't know what else you want to call it, the infection packet that they had or containment assistance packet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It gave them like a little, uh, uh airplane flight card of what to look for, for uh-huh. the infection and what to do mm-hmm. with later on. Um, Really cool touches um, and a that brain you haven't poker. seen in a lot, lot of other things before. <laughs> a brain poker. Yeah, and it gave them a brain poker. A brain so you stabber. could, you could yep. like, you know, take take yourself out if you yeah. need to. That's that's pretty uh, intense, actually, yeah. when you think about it, that presumably the government at some point issued these things because there was no other option. Exactly, yeah, which you know, means it's, it's been going on for a while, mm-hmm. too. Right, yeah. right. And it would have been great, you know, Kim, we, we've... We, talk a lot about fear of the walking dead it would have been great if in fear of the walking dead they had introduced this kind of stuff at the first season um yes. you know these kind of practical uh, issues that you run across when yeah. when society starts falling apart like that um right. those are those are clever little touches that really really bring uh, uh personalization to the uh to the premise well, even things that I never would have thought about. They included a mouth guard in the kit. Mm-hmm. They yep. included oh, ties right. to tie up the okay. hands. Yep. I would have never thought that that would That's have right. been useful. Mm-hmm. Um, but they put it to a good use in this in this movie. Mm-hmm. That's right. When you're going to that... use a zombie as a mule yeah. or a, yeah. some sort of form of transportation, yeah, you mule. might as well tie them up and yeah. put a mouth guard in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what did you guys think of Vic? Because I'm not really sold on him. Uh, Vic? Yes. He was the guy who had the wife 
inside the gated area. He was the gas guy. Right, right. I, I, I personally, I thought all that was unnecessary. To tell you Same. the truth, I didn't like him Same. either. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you guys actually on that. I, I don't mind him being there, but it, it didn't seem like it really added anything to the no. story. You know, Andy's no. trying mm-hmm. to survive, like we've said, trying to find someone for his daughter, and we come across this guy who's got a different goal in the apocalypse. Right? He's trying to gather stuff, and he's. Um, because he thinks it's going to be valuable when society comes back. And, you know, I, you're right. I, I didn't really see the point of that too much. Um, I think there could have been maybe a different way to use that character if they were going to include him. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or maybe just the story about he, how he kind of kidnapped the, the right. woman Lorraine he was with. I mean, maybe that would have been enough, but yeah, I, I'm not so sure it was. All that I actually kind either. of thought maybe we were uh, when when uh, Lorraine shows up and you can tell she's very uh, um, scared of things in general. I, I actually thought we were going to be looking at another uh, typical cannibalism type situation or whatever. And I'm going, oh, God, come on. You know, <laughs> cannibalism. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I mean, you know, they they in any of these disaster things and so forth, you run across the group that's like. The cannibals or something like that. And I'm going, oh, geez, again, somebody's always eating somebody else. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the interesting part about him, though, actually was the cages where he had um, to me caged Mm -hmm. up. And mm-hmm. then the the clever man was in a different cage, and then right. he was using them as bait to attract the walk. Mm-hmm. I keep wanting to say walkers, the <laughs> the dead, whatever the they dead. are, the, the zombies, the infected. Zombies. Yeah. The infected. Yeah, I think they also call them diggers at one point. Um, yes, which is also funny. Uh, but yeah, so he he has these people caged to use them as bait to attract the the dead, and then once he kills the dead people. He scavenges their body. He lifts their for, wallets. Yeah, right. for all the yeah. shiny stuff, <laughs> yeah. the, the gold and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was also interesting to see that Lorraine, the woman that he had basically kidnapped, was also in a cage. She was kept in their little homestead area, and he would always lock the gate behind yeah. her. So he was a very controlling person. Mm-hmm. And then oh, yeah. when, when we see him towards the end, he's kind of a broken man and and doesn't know how to go on, basically. And that's all because of what Toomey and An- Andy have done to him. But, um, yeah, well, I just he, thought it, I thought he it was He killed Lorraine, though. I mean, that's yeah, what broke yes. him, I think, yeah, is I he think, killed yeah, Lorraine. She, he shot her. Well, he didn't mean to shoot her, but. Right, exactly. She was in the was, line of fire. Right. Yeah. Direct result of what happened. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that his character lent much to the story, except for that he clued us in a little bit more about the the dead people themselves, about, you know, why they bury their heads and, um, you know, just just a little bit about what's going on in the outback because he's he's seen it all. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. let, let's let, let me talk about that for a second, because I'm not entirely clear on what these dead are doing They're They, they, they mentioned hibernating at one point. Right. right. And that's why right. they bury their heads in the sand. Um, right. And the yeah. rest of the indigenous people mm-hmm. find them like that and then light them on fire to, mm-hmm. to kill them. But right. it, like, what was the deal there? They just they they go to sleep for well, a while or. They, well, what you notice is that um, most of the time when you saw them doing that um, was during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, at night, they're on the move. But during the day, they want darkness. And so what they want by darkness, I guess, is to get 
you know, whatever they're going to do to get darkness, which would be burying their heads under the ground. Okay. Yeah, but or why going inside the tunnel? tunnel? They were pretty much hibernating too. They had their heads against the wall. I think, it was also during I the day because it was during the day, and they found the tunnel to go hibernate in. Right, and they uh, sort of, and yeah, they sort that's of, why they were in the tunnel during the day. And they that's sort of, why you always saw he put his bait out in the cages at night. Mm, yeah. yeah, because that's when they gotcha. were on the move. That's when they were on the hunt for fresh meat. And obviously, they <laughs> they sort of go into some sort of dormant mode when they're hibernating because you could walk right, right. by them in the tunnel and yeah. they wouldn't wake up. Yeah, interesting. Okay. I guess that sort of yeah. makes sense. I didn't find that. I didn't feel like that was all that clear, though, in the film, because you do see yeah, them out in the right day, too. Yeah, it wasn't right off the too. bat for me, either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know, part of part of me didn't need an explanation for that. Yeah. I, I, I thought that the burying their heads in the sand was just a nice, creepy factor. Yeah. You know, an unexplained, <laughs> creepy factor to it that, that you just see and you're like, oh, wow, I don't know yeah. what that's about, but maybe I don't want to know. It's true. It was creepy. <laughs> Yeah, Definitely. It's, it's it's a fairly unique look to mm-hmm. at, at sort of zombies, right? You don't see them doing that yeah. kind of thing mm-hmm. very often. I mean, when they went to the military camp and he saw the soldiers with their heads in the ground, right? That yeah. was uh, that was a creepy scene. Definitely, very, mm-hmm. definitely. You know the way they moved too when they were moving around. Yes, it was especially uh, jerky and mm-hmm. yeah. sort of their their bodies really convulsed a lot while they were moving, which I guess mm-hmm. was similar to the way you slowly turn over 48 hours. Cause it seems like you have a seizure right. sp- sporadically. And then eventually all that gunk covers your, your eyes and nose. And I assume all of your orifices, I guess <laughs> I would guess. Yep. Uh, don't yeah, know if I need to know that one either. Oh my God. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I just I think about these things, you know. Can't just zombie depends. Yeah. No. Oh my god. <laughs> um, what did you guys think of Toomey? Oh, she was so sweet. Yeah. So Toomey, I think overall Toomey's story uh, was really good. Yeah. And I, and I liked yeah. that part of the film a lot. I especially enjoyed um, when they finally teamed up. You know what I mean? When they yeah. finally became friends in the scene where. Close to the end where Andy's almost dead and they're struggling along and he's he's asking her to her to teach him some words. I thought that was really effective, actually, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, fairly emotional because you know what's about to happen. And uh, after she reveals that she would call him white guy or something like that. Yeah, she'd called him right. white guy yeah. the first thing she white said. Fella. And then he white yeah, fella. white fella yeah. and then he and then he and then he says they learn the word for friend. He's like I prefer that one. And it's just a little yeah. scene, but I thought it really worked <laughs> yeah. really worked nicely. And I thought the actress was great. Yes. Yeah. She did a great job. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Absolutely. That I was mean, Simone Landers. And she and, and it, she was brand new cuz it said and introducing Simone yeah. yep. Landers in it, yep. I think. First thing she'd ever been yeah. in. So. Yep. Did did yeah. a nice job. Yeah. Um to get back, though, just to Vic for a second, it and this relates to Toomey and Andy as well, I don't think they really needed anything um, in that tunnel at the end either, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt yeah. like Vic's story, what we got of it, uh, whether we liked it or not, sort of ended when he shot uh, Lorraine. Yeah, and, sure. and if he'd never come back into the film after that, I think I would have been okay because the whole tunnel thing to me just felt like a bit of an excuse to put Rosie, the baby in danger and, you know, have him get his hands on her and for the audience, not know what was about to happen. But, Oh, I could, I could, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, I even thought at one point 
when they were showing um, when they were showing uh, Andy struggling across the outback. Um, all of a sudden, it flashed in my head. Oh crap! Vic's coming back too. Because right. I was just like, oh, I don't want to see Vic again. You know, it's not necessary. No. Um, but I always well, it a, it knew was he little, was coming back. Yeah, I mean, it was a little too convenient that he was standing at the end of the tunnel yeah. when they get through it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And sure. it, I also, I mean, related to this, I sort of felt like sometimes I had a hard time kind of figuring out the path that Andy was taking because he they leave yeah. the river and he goes inland and he's looking for the hospital and then they go to the military base and then they're coming back towards the river. The river, um, right. And I guess they have to go through, well, they, yeah, they go through the tunnel. But so, you know, I wasn't, it's like, why is Vic here now? You know, wouldn't he be... Back home, well, especially his, his right, especially way. since the um, uh, what was her name? The old lady. Come on, Scott. Etta. 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 Uh, especially since Etta told him to go find the Aborigines. Mm-hmm. He said that's where she can survive. Yeah, that's you know? right. He said, you know, don't don't go anywhere else. Go find the Aborigines. So here he is, Juan, doing his walkabout, walkabout of the dead, um, <laughs> and and. All of a sudden, he finds the Aborigines, and then he wants to go back to the river. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, I'm yeah. not getting this. Yeah, but, they didn't seem to travel very far in that time that they were in the car. No, no. But, oh, man, speaking of, though, that, that scene, though, when um, the car crashed, mm-hmm. yeah. when they're driving along and they see the uh, the infected standing in the middle of the road. Yeah, right. Really? And, um, and the fact that they father, don't, they yeah. show the car go by him, uh-huh. and then you hear the crash. You don't actually see a crash. I thought it was fantastic. And then they turn around the, the camera and there's the car all smashed up against the tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to be the cynic and say that was probably a budgetary decision, but I agree with you. <laughs> it was. No, it, I think you're right. But you know what? That's okay. That one fed into the, in maybe the correct way to go. Yeah, it did work really, really well. I, I agree with that. Um, and I, I think, you know, shortly after that, when, when his wife bites him and, I mean, mm-hmm. that's when the dread really sets in because, mm-hmm. you know, well, now he's only got 48 hours. But I, I didn't mind all that, too. Although if I were him, I'd be like, you know, maybe get out of the car as fast as you can. Don't sort of turn around and right. and uh, reach for the backseat. Yeah. You know, I thought mm. about that, too. And I was actually <laughs> I found myself practicing what he was doing. And I was thinking, you know, that is such a natural <laughs> move. So like you hear your baby in the backseat crying, your your instinct is to turn around and reach for them and see what's happening. You don't think about the fact that you've got like a dead person sitting next to you that could like rip your face off. Yep. So what he did was very natural. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. We would have gotten out of the car first, like the the guy in the <laughs> short film did. Uh-huh. I, yeah, but you know what, Kim? I felt it was handled better in the short film. I mean, the guy woke up. I mean, he was passed out and he woke up to realize he had been bitten. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was a surprise to him to find out. Mm-hmm. And to me, I thought that one actually worked a little bit better. I agree with you because it seems a little far-fetched to think that, one, he, I understand why he passed out. He was in total shock. But, one, she died while he's passed out. and right. And then she is still sleeping, I guess, hibernating, whatever, when he finally wakes up. Why didn't she bite him? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of like what we always talk about, you know, when we're watching The Walking Dead or Fear of the Walking Dead is you you can't outrun these people. You can't you can't fight them off. You know, I mean, to me, when he's reaching back there for the baby, I mean, 
she's not exactly flying at him and so forth. I mean, you just fight her off. That's, mm-hmm. you know, to find out that he got bit while he was passed out, to me, in the short film, made a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah, or even if, if he was, again, I don't remember the short film that well, but if he was sort of woken up by getting bit, right? That's sort right. of right. what he actually He back. actually wakes up in the short film and looks over at her and realizes that she's she's one of the infected, gets out of the car and goes in the back and gets gets the child out of the back and and when he sits down outside then he realizes he's actually been bit on the arm. Mhm. Mm. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, uh back to Toomey, I like I was saying I I like I liked that story quite a bit. You know, she goes from wandering around alone um sort of following her dad around who's one of the infected and uh feeding him rabbits and things like that and she she has a pretty good arc i think in the story she goes Mm -hmm. from that having not a lot of well i guess in a way having hope for her father that she can bring him back but um right to being alone you know and and not even spending time with the rest of her family her mother uh, to finding Andy and Rosie and ultimately accepting them. And that was really kind of why I, one of the other reasons I didn't like the tunnel fight scene with, with Vic is that they had just become friends at that point. And, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I wrote down, they had just teamed up uh, for right. the sort of final push of the film. And I felt, especially the second time I watched it, I was sort of emotionally ready for them to, to get to the end but then we had to go through this tunnel fight scene first. And You're that's, right. Yeah, yeah yes. it was an intrusion. It, it was, was an intrusion. Yeah. Yep. I um, agree. But, I agree. But at the end of the day, I thought I thought Toomey was great, and uh, I mean the only the only uplifting part about the movie really was the f- sort of final scene there where they mm-hmm. they make it to safety or as you know safe as we can we can imagine they'll be for a while. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I thought her storyline was really a sweet way to interject into the main premise of the movie. And that is that we see a child taking care of their parent instead of with Andy and Rosie. It's the opposite. The mm. parents trying to take care of the child. And yeah, see we the contrast. See, exactly. Yeah. And we see her do everything she possibly can to keep her own dad alive, even though he's one of the infected now. And I'm assuming she's the one that puts the bite in his mouth and, you know, she she feeds him and she just tries to protect him every step of the way. And when he when she finally finds out that he has been dispatched, I guess, and buried in the tree, that's her breakdown moment where she has lost all hope. And everything that she does, mm-hmm. that whole storyline, that the way they contrast it to Andy's storyline and Rosie's was just a very sweet, sweet story. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was really great. I found that scene where she's mourning her father, mm-hmm. and she takes the stone and she's hitting it against her. Oh yes, oh, right. Skull. Yeah. I was just oh, I found that really, yeah, well, really the, like yeah. emotional. And she and- was holding on to him so much because um, I guess the old guy Daku or whatever had expressed yeah. that he has medicines that can bring them back. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. the clever man. Um, yeah, right, the mm-hmm. clever man. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I will say this though I did as much as I did like um, Tommy's story and that whole relationship with with her and Andy and and her and her father and all that kind of stuff I did feel that the Aborigine spiritualism thing was a little forced. Um, 
I, I don't know. It just seemed to me that, you know, the hunting parties and all that kind of stuff was a little, little, uh, unnecessary. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it, um, it did feel like it was almost sort of a little arbitrarily put in, mm-hmm. but, but I'm not sure. Like I, I f- fully admit that I don't know very much about <laughs> that culture, right. About yeah, the exactly. aborigines sure. of, yeah. of Australia. So, you know, I, if 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 this is realistic or or not i'm i'm not really sure i did read somewhere that um they did spend a lot of time consulting uh with you know with people from that community on like the language and sort of mm-hmm. the way they they live their life and stuff like that but uh, i don't know um i i didn't mind it i thought it gave us a bit of a, a enough of just enough of an insight into that culture and the way they were handling things that it made me it sort of made me connect a bit better with Toomey and especially mm-hmm. when she decided to go back to them at the end you know and and bring her new yeah. friend so I agree well, with you and what was interesting also just getting speaking of the cultural um reference references in the movie to the aboriginal culture there there was that scene where the clever man it's it's like a flashback and he talks about it's like right. they predict that this is coming. Right. He says right. this this country is sick. Yeah. Right? And and so that was also interesting that it was like showing that in their intuitiveness, I guess. I don't if it's Well, and you kind of got the feeling that when you base that that part of it with the fact that they kept showing all the images of the fracking stations mm-hmm. and so forth, mm-hmm. that this was a natural disaster, that this was something that came up naturally because yeah. they did spend a lot of imagery showing the fracking signs and things oh, that, like that. Yeah. And then the Aborigines are talking about how the earth is, is fighting back. Yes. Connection so to nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Hey, um, Etta, let's talk about Etta for a second. Did they, there, there was that scene um, where she takes off her wig and mm-hmm. she's there's, bald and she's got a scar. giant head yeah. scar. Um, right. Did they explain that? I'm not sure I no, know I where the, they that is. No, I think you're supposed to draw a conclusion that yeah. she had cancer or something. Yeah. Okay. Brain tumor or something like that. Right. 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 And that yeah. her time was limited and that's why she was trying to help people, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I did find it kind of sad, though, when she we, when she handed him the picture and said, you know, here's... Um, yeah, uh, uh, Toomey's dad, Toomey whatever his name was, Toomey and Willie. Yeah, w- yeah Willie. Yeah. You know, they're good people. Go find mm-hmm. them; they can help you. And we already know, I think, at that point that he, he's he dead. He knows that it's him. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't. He yeah. he almost sort of went to say it, and then he and he thought better of it. Yeah. Yes. Right. He was yeah, he was about to face. say something, and then he was like, oh, no, "It's like no. leave her with the sort yeah. of the happy thought yeah. that they're still yeah. still all good." So. Did you did you notice the uh, correlation of Willie's jacket? It was the same company that did the fracking. Oh, oh really? <laughs> and it's also the same company that Vic worked for. Yeah. Oh, right. okay. G on the helmet and so yeah. forth. Okay. I did not notice that. I didn't notice that either, no. No. Scott, you're the most intuitive of all of us. Well, <laughs> that's obviously not really true, but thank you for saying that. That's why we keep him on our podcast. There, well, exactly. there, there was there was a reference at one point. Vic said to the clever man when the clever man was in his cage in the cage. He said something like, "You took something like you oh, took yeah. my oil," or yeah, yeah. He was blaming. 
Vic was guess, blaming yeah, Cleverman. Blaming Cleverman. Yeah, well, Cleverman. I think just the, uh, Aboriginal people in general, maybe that like right you for fighting against up. their yeah, fracking. Yeah, fighting they were doing. against said, the fracking. Yeah, he said the wells belong to him. Yeah, the, along that's with it. everything that's yep. in them. Yep. Mm-hmm. God, Vic. Right, that's and right. the Aborigines were pointing out that that's their land yeah. that they're fracking from. Yeah. Vic, that's, right. that's just a fracking mess. <laughs> a huge uh, fracking mess. What the frack? Vic is <laughs> the biggest dick. Like, I mean, <laughs> he, Vic the dick. He, they might as well have just called him that. <laughs> you know, he kidnaps his Maybe wife. Maybe that was the intention. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the, I mean, he's just so uh, horrible to like the Aboriginal people. He he kidnaps his wife. I think they made mention of him sort of letting everyone else at the the company die you right. know and stuff yeah so. he locked him inside yeah. to save himself oh that's yeah. right that's yeah, right yeah that's right mm-hmm. man Vic the dick <laughs> yeah yeah Vic, Vic had Vic didn't have a whole lot of gold stars in his life no. Um, no. No. so yeah I think he, he was definitely made out to be the total bad guy um but you know at the first at the first time though when you saw him he didn't necessarily seem like he was going to be that way no. He, he was just a guy stuck in a hole and needed some help. Yeah, he probably should have left him there. Mm-hmm. Well, in hindsight, yeah. for sure. But, you yeah. know, in this world, but... you 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 don't run into many people, so you've got to take your chances. Well, don't, don't forget, Vic saved his life, too. Because Vic shot the infected that was about oh. to get him. Yeah. You're right. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's true. Uh, so, hey, Vic's not all bad. No. <laughs> he's got his moments <laughs> i suppose no vic's all bad yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think we can say vic's all bad yeah. so let's talk about just real quick maybe the process of turning because it's a little bit different we've already touched on this but it's different than a lot of zombie mm-hmm. type properties uh you know here you get bit which is pretty common but it takes 48 hours and that's consistent it seems like which i thought was was interesting so they can time it right uh Mm -hmm. i mentioned earlier you have these seizures sporadically which don't seem you don't really seem to be able to control but i did notice that i felt like andy was able to resist them a little bit and yeah uh, i think they they vary in in uh severity i think yeah i mean i think you know when he heard you know when he was looking at the uh the body remnants on the ground and he was going into his fits and so forth like that. But then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden he heard um, Rosie Rosie say Mm -hmm. something. He focused back on that. Mm -hmm. And, or he used his wife's perfume also to bring himself back. Absolutely. Well, he did at one point. He sprayed that and, you know, he said it it smells like mummy and stuff. No, but he sprayed it for himself too. Or, or he gave it to Toomey and she's, I can't remember. Toomey did it for him at the very end before he was about to be executed. Okay. yeah. Yeah. He was already gone then, but oh, you're right. Right. he recognized that was it. it. Yes, he recognized it. Then. Yeah, he recognized it. Like he tilted his head he like a dog. His head, sort of. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. well, you know. <laughs> but I, I just he thought, went, it, row. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, exactly. I, I just thought it was interesting though that, you know, I guess we didn't see too many people go through the full process of, of turning. Uh, his, it, it happened. I mean, the, the time was condensed more for for his wife, but it felt right, to because me, she got hit by the tree yeah, branch that killed her. So it accelerated by the it. tree branch. Oh, oh yeah, God, that's that was, right. That's yeah. right. Uh, but yeah. just for Andy, it felt like he was able to resist a little bit and you're right. He was mm-hmm. able to focus on something and come back. And I, overall, I thought it was a pretty interesting and new take on, on mm-hmm. turning into a zombie, right? Where it's, it's not just, you get bit, you die and you come back and then you eat somebody. So, and I, I well, think, 
Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, okay. I think the reason also we talked, you talked about how it seemed to be 48 hours consistently. That goes back to how the government has supplied them with the containment assistant. Like, right. Um, the kids. Kids. Yeah. So the government has done their research and they know, okay, this is the mm-hmm. time it takes. So they provide their citizens with that information as well. Obviously. Yeah. Right. And it's yeah, within and they the also kid, discuss I think. it. I think even Vic maybe discusses the fact that they have tried to fight it. Yes. The government itself. Right. Yeah. I think Kim was going to say something. I was actually going to say the exact same thing oh. that you did, which is <laughs> Look very at that. funny. We're on the same um, wavelength. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just interesting that the, this is one of the first movies where we have a timeline mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. when events are supposed to be happening and we know what the events are going to be. Um, mm-hmm. And so you can, it's easier to follow along and anticipate what's going to happen. And so like, even when Andy, I don't know if y'all caught this, but when Andy is walking with Toomey right before he does put her on his back and she's already got the head wound from, from the right. fight with from Vic. Vic. Right. And he's, he's, he starts leaning in on her head, just sniffing. He's just <laughs> sniffing her blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of keeping him going, but that's when he starts to say, okay, tell me what this word mean tells you just trying to distract himself. Just like she distracted him when they were walking across the railroad bridge mm-hmm. and he sees the zombies down below eating mm-hmm. and yeah. he starts to get excited yeah. and he's like, oh, I want some of that. Yeah. Right. But, but what's interesting about this movie is that we didn't really see any of the zombies take down anybody from what I remember. Mm. Um no, not really. No, they're right. they so. all already dead. The peop- the things that we see them eating are already dead. Mm-hmm. We never see them chase down anything and eat it. Well, they you know they they were realistic in the fact that uh, these were slow movers. Um, yeah, you should be able to. I mean, sure, you may be in a cabinet and pop out and bite them like what what happened to um, uh, Kay, uh, Andy's, Andy's wife. wife yeah. But but. Yeah, if you're in the open field, they're not going to be able to run you to run you to ground. No, right? They would have to take you by surprise. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Exactly. I think that fits thematically really well with the film too. You know, it's mm-hmm. again, it's not it's not about fighting against these zombies. It's about what you do with your last forty eight hours and how you how you yeah. keep your family safe or or whatever you need to do in that time. Right. So the zombies or whatever they are were there, um, but. It's not the about zombies were like it. a flood. Right. I mean, the water was rising. Yeah. And you and need that to get was the safety. constant threat. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have one nitpick. <laughs> oh, I have a lot. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, the, the, the main one that bothered me, and I don't know, maybe this is stupid, but when Andy and Toomey are in the cage together after Vic puts them in there. Right. Uh, there's a light on this cage. There's a light mm-hmm. shining in on them. And I'm like. Why is there a light on the cage? Where's the power coming from? I don't see any power lines. I don't understand what is there doing a light on this cage. It should be well, just pitch. Well, black obviously, you know, and that's a, I powered. had that as a pet peeve too because <laughs> they're they're not attracted to light. No, otherwise they'd be all around Vic's camp all the time that's because true. this place is lit up like a Christmas tree. Yeah. yeah. So why is Vic lighting them up at night for yes. the for the? Uh, the infected to come. It's like when you're being interrogated and they're like swinging a light above you. It's well, that's like that. making it more tense for the victim there. I don't yeah. know. So I, <laughs> no, I yeah, but is, the infected always had like gummy bears all over their eyes every time. So they're not going to yeah. see anything anyway. Exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah. But you know, 
when when Andy and Rosie walk into Etta's camp, they make a point to show you the solar panel on top of the light that does come on. Uh huh. So are mm-hmm. we supposed to believe there's solar yeah, that's could making be. it? I don't know. Uh, I guess so, but it just seemed like a random cage in the middle of nowhere, yeah. and there's a light on it, which bothered me. Well, the premise that they even have to have lights over it is the thing that bothered me a little bit. Right, 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 right. What about how um, how they how they escaped from that? I felt like that was a little too easy as well. It's like he throws the meat oh, out. Yes, he throws the yeah, meat out. Then he with figured the, it out. Oh, I know what we'll do. We'll have the zombies we pull go. the gate open. It's like he can't just lift it yeah. at that point. I, yeah, it felt too easy to to get out. It of It was a heavy gate, but the but the diggers can. can <laughs> well, there like, was a whole bunch of them. There was a swarm of them. I know, but they're not like standing there playing tug of war. They're just trying to eat the meat on the end of that rope. They're well, they could have very easily just come. Uh, well, they could have very easily come to closer too. Either. Well, no. they could have come closer to the cage too. I mean, they were going to run away. Yeah. So they're not salmon. (laughs) No. So I don't know. It felt a bit too easy. And and then and then he gets out and she doesn't. And then he still can't lift it. I don't know. It seemed seemed weird. But uh, yeah. And she wasn't even paying attention to like, okay, slide under. Yeah. Hello. He slid under and he's like, uh, what? And she's like, la, la, la. We are chained together. You're going to have to come. (laughs) She's like, faked you. Yeah. Good luck now, sucker. (laughs) Uh, Guess who's on the other end of this chain? That would be me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Go ahead, Kim. Oh, I have I have one thing to bone pick about Um, when Kay is in the boat and ends up getting attacked. She gets one tiny little bite on the top of her thigh Mm. when she's facing her back is facing whatever it is that grabs her. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't get bit more than that. Like he should have, de- or whatever it was, should have devoured her. Well, right? maybe maybe she fought it off. I mean, whatever it was grabbed her and pulled her back, which was yeah. actually a pretty cool scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree because you don't see what's behind her. But mm-hmm. right. do you honestly think she could have gotten out of a situation like that? Because I'm saying no. You know, the way I explain that is we don't really know. Kim saying no. No, she is saying <laughs> no. Hard and fast no. <laughs> we don't really see what state that uh, right. zombie is in. So it could have been like really on its last legs and it just had enough power to like grab her and take a bite. And then she she fought it off because, okay. you know, it was all waterlogged and bloated and it just fell apart. Maybe. I don't know. But that's that's how I would explain that. But you're right. It did seem like she got away fairly unscathed, even though, you know, it was her death sentence. <laughs> see, I. The way I see it, because I was fully expecting that Andy would wake up and his wife wasn't there, right? Mm -hmm. And then he would figure out, oh, my God, she went to that boat. Oh, my God. And, like, go and find her dead. Yeah. I think that by bringing her back, she comes back and she's bitten. It's sort of like... It was something where I wasn't expecting it, right? Like, I wasn't expecting that mm-hmm. to happen. I was mm-hmm. expecting her to be gone and him to wake right. up and not find her. So right. it was it was sort of this um, surprise moment in yeah. a way. Yeah, yeah you know? it was a good twist. Yeah. It, it actually was. I mean, it was, you know, and her look on her face was like, oh, man, I screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. screwed up. Oh, crap. Like, what was I doing going but, into that? But to be fair, he told her it he, was safe. Yeah, he told exactly. her it was safe. Yes. Yeah. 
you know? Yes. So hard to yes, hold that there one was a cruel, There was a cruel circle going around on a lot of things. I mean, also you can blame Tommy for the car crash that caused him because Tommy kept her father alive walking yeah. around and he was in the middle of the road, caused the crash. Yep. Um, but yet Tommy saves the baby in the end or helps save the baby in the end. And in a way, there's like a lot of good intentions here, right? Because mm-hmm. like Andy telling his wife, oh, no, it was safe. He was trying to put her mind Sparing at ease because she was like, what were you doing over there? Oh, my God, you went there. And so he was like, no, I was fine. All good. Right. Well, and then he 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 probably figured, well, why is she going to go? And to be honest, I myself was like, why would she go there? He went and got the stuff. Why are you going there now? Right. Because exactly. things can change. She Suddenly had to find a razor. Right. Yeah. He wasn't. He was scruffy. Yeah. He, he wasn't rugged. He was ragged, she said. Right. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. You're ragged. But, oh. but that, that brings he up. He was looking point. like a hobbit. Yeah. That brings up another point. There were a series of events that kind of fell into place for them to be able to find each other, for Andy to find Toomey, and which I thought was very interesting. And and I believe it all started, correct me if I'm wrong, when um, they are with Etta and they see the fires in the background and Etta has already produced the picture of Willie and, and Rosie's right. family, which I thought was a little too convenient as well. Um, but she sees the fires and she's like, avoid the fires because they are trying to take out people like you. But then we find out later that that's Toomey's family mm-hmm. hmm. and Toomey's mother is in that group right. and she's actually calling for Toomey at that moment. Right. And if mm-hmm. Toomey had gone to her, she, the, Andy's family would have never been saved. I, Kim, I don't have so much of a problem with the fact that that these people kept kind of running into each other because there really isn't anybody out there. Well, Except I guess it's the groups. whole distance thing that still plays. I don't think with they went mind. far. I think you're right. I don't think they went very far. Yeah, no. he certainly know where knew where to go back and find that family with, that was having the birthday party. Which is a whole nother thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, some birthday I mean, party. Holy jeez! Yeah. I know. At some point between when we first see the family and when you see the family at the end, the dad has been bitten in the neck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he now he wants to take out his entire family because he cannot leave them. What a selfish act, I think. Well, maybe so, but, you know, we didn't talk to the wife. The wife may may have been like, I can't survive on my own, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't know how else to protect them. Yeah, it could be. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say Andy thought about shooting shooting, uh, Rosie. When and he had two bullets left in the gun. Andy had more than one moment in the film where he, he almost put the head poker in his own head when yeah. he yep. when he left Rosie uh with Vic. Uh well not with Vic, but mm-hmm. with um Lorraine. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And then yep. you're right. He looked at those two bullets and he considered it until Toomey walked up at mm-hmm. at that point. But I yeah. just I just liked how, you know, the father of the family on the riverbank, who incidentally that was the same guy, I think, from the short film who played the the Andy oh, role. Andy. really? Yeah, oh. I think it was the same actor. You played the dad? Played the dad oh, in the short. You know what? Really? You may be right. Oh, I need to go back and look at that. I think so, oh. yeah. But I th- they're they're in the same situation, him and Andy, right? And we get the, yeah. con- the contrast of the way they deal with it. The guy on the shore, he kills his whole family and then himself. Andy struggles and, and does anything ev- and everything he can to try to get Rosie to safety. You know, he never gives up. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Yep. So which one is better? The guy who's more, I feel like the, the dad who's weak and takes out his family or Andy who's trying to find savior for his daughter? Well, to, to, it's all a matter of perspective. I mean, the the father that was going to do that was trying to make sure his family didn't suffer because mm-hmm. he didn't feel like that they could survive on their own. And mm-hmm. and what I'm thinking is maybe it's even him and his wife had that conversation. Yeah, we don't. And really she know. was like, "I can't do this." We we don't know. Well, and they agreed to it, right? Like they kind of right. made like a suicide pact. Basically, yeah. Right. Murder, suicide, right. murder, suicide. She was pact. trying to be very positive with the kids and so forth like that in the background. You could see. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're right. She was involved in the in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I did chuckle a little bit and it was I felt really bad after I laughed when the dad was digging the hole and he said, where's my little pirate? You want to find that treasure? And I was like, oh, oh that's so God. <laughs> You know, I know. I was like, "Oh God, come on!" Uh, nice touch, Dad. <laughs> Let's make it an Easter egg hunt, right? He's just oh trying to make God. his kids more comfortable before what's before about to happen, him. right? Oh, so man. sad. Oh man, that is brutal. Bad person going to hell. <laughs> but I did think I did really think um, you really felt the gravity of the situation when um, Andy didn't try to talk them out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he just kind of was like, all right, I'm just going to extricate myself from the situation quietly. Yeah. He, um, he just said, you know, I can't do that. But if you right. need to, then I'll just walk away. And mm-hmm. But he did go back to do. get the gun. Yeah. Well, a gun is handy. He's after him. And he, he just learned how to shoot, too. So. Uh, <laughs> is it yeah. true? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I liked how awkward he was with the gun when. When Vic mm-hmm. was shoot- when they did teaching him sh- target shooting, he he looked terrible with it, and I just couldn't help but think, boy, that would be me. Like I've never held yeah, a gun in my life; too. I wouldn't know <laughs> what to do with something like that. <laughs> Chris, we we've often discussed on our podcast that uh, I know if 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 society broke apart, I would last like thirty minutes. Right. It's, uh, that's, yeah, Chris, Chris says that I'm all in. the time, too. <laughs> and, the, and the thing is, I think it's rubbed off on me because after <laughs> quite a few times we've watched The Walking Dead and I get nightmares after watching The Walking Dead. Just for, uh-huh. if it's a really mm-hmm. zombie heavy episode. And in all my dreams, it's me and my two kids and we're like struggling against zombies and Chris is I'm nowhere w- to be found. <laughs> it's like it's infiltrated my dreams. Like ah. he he has said it so many times to me that there's no way I would not I'm mean, he's like I'm I'm too doughy. I would say well, I can't get a pizza. I'm like, this, what? My, my uh, knees I can't get a can't. pizza. This beer is warm. Yeah. I'm over. It's <laughs> <Right>. done. <laughs> I like to think that I died heroically saving them and I didn't just run away or something, you know? So <laughs> You keep thinking that. You no, keep thinking I have that, no Chief. doubt that you would you would show great heroism. <laughs> oh well. And I and I actually I constantly try to tell him, are you kidding? If there's anyone well equipped for a zombie apocalypse, it's you. You know what to do because you watch all these zombie movies well. and stuff. But he's like, yeah, but like with my knee and my ankle. And yeah. I'm, like, I'm not yes. very fast. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. You're gone. Uh, yeah. They're all wearing long pants. I'd have to wear shorts. Right. I mean, come on. I know. This the girls don't work. put their hair up in ponytails. Exactly. Oh, all these what little the things. <laughs> Where's Laura, Laura Cohen getting all her makeup? I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that reminds me of when um, the one season with, was it Andrea? Yeah, she had her nails done. Yeah. She had her time. nails. She had these 
perfect pedicure oh when she was with God. the governor. I was like, what is After she that got beat about? Up. <laughs> and like so many people had criticism of them. Like, really, you're going to have a pedicure like that in the zombie apocalypse? Come on. Well, you know, that's hilarious. All right. We can probably wrap this up soon, but I just wanted to say one more positive thing about this movie that I really liked and is that is that I thought it was really beautifully shot. The cinematography was yes. pretty yes. stunning. Mm-hmm. All those overhead shots I thought were really neat. Uh, and, you know, Australia. Somebody had a helicopter. Yeah. Australia or a drone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Australia looks really desolate, but that maybe was part of the point here, but it still looked really beautiful, I thought, and really mm-hmm. just a really nicely shot movie, I thought. Yep. Yeah, was... you know, it's it's when you say that, um, one thing that I thought was interesting is I do not believe the short film was necessarily set to even look like Australia. Uh, no. Even... My, me- no. My memory of it is a little bit more like... Uh, forest. It could have been setting. England. Yeah. yeah, it could have been fields in England and stuff like that. I mean, it just didn't have a didn't pull upon that mystery of Australia. That's why I thought it was part of the Walking Dead group. Mm-hmm. Right, um, right. Well, it came out during when they were doing all of their short stories. Remember those yep, webs? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Webisodes. Webisodes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and you know one one thing I noticed being the animal person, there was not a single animal. That we saw, like I was expecting crocodiles, at least some snakes. We did see Toomey feeding these things to her dad, uh-huh. but there was no animal danger, which I thought was very interesting because Australia is known for <laughs> a crazy, lot scary of stuff. Cra- yeah. Snakes, spiders. Yeah. Um, what are the things that eat your baby? I can't believe we said dingoes, dingoes, right? Wombats, I think. (laughs) Wombats are cute. Apparently, no. If you apparently, apparently, if you find a hole somewhere in the outback of uh, Australia, don't put your arm down it because a wombat bat will bite your hand off. I mean, why the hell? You know, if if I find a hole in the ground in Pittsburgh, I'm not sticking my arm. (laughs) No, exactly. No, I read this on in an essay online, and a friend of mine who's from Australia was like, "Uh, "That's true." I'm like, "What?" What? That's good advice no matter what. Don't exactly. stick your arms in mystery holes. Like, come on. Exactly. That's what she said. Right. <laughs> dun, dun. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, it sounds like it sounds like we That's all fall apart. Yeah. No, it sounds like we all enjoyed this movie to, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. pretty uh, well, maybe a little bit different degrees. Some nitpicks, few things that didn't work, but uh, um, right. overall, not too bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty it's good. definitely worth pretty seeing. Good. It's definitely yeah. worth seeing. Cool. And Martin Freeman, amazing. And yes. uh, I thought the baby acting was good too. The, the mm-hmm. that baby was, was cute. Super cute. Oh, when she super tried to kiss cute. him on the nose at the oh, end. I was my like, God, oh my God, my heart melted. I know that was so sweet. Yeah, that was oh. pretty strong. I wonder. I wonder if that was if that just happened like on the first take, or they had to do that like forty times like, before okay, the kid did it. Kiss him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I like directors to, like yes, we got it. Finally, we got I, it. I did read they used four different babies in the filming of this movie. Well, they probably yeah. Oh, geez, really? I didn't know no babies four. were harmed in the filming. Of yeah, this <laughs> yeah. I you know they always use they always use identical twins, but, but I wonder if it was, it was like, like quadruplets, four quadruplets. Boy, it must be hard. Jim, to they find. just came and got some of your kids. <laughs> yeah, you had some despair. <laughs> There's a few extras yeah. hanging around. <laughs> 
All right. So everybody go go watch Cargo uh, and, and let us know what you think. If you want, you can email your uh, reactions to it to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and guys, thank you so much for doing this. It was really fun talking to you. Why don't you let people know where they can find the Fear Me podcast? And uh, we already talked about the fact that you're covering Preacher. So if you're a Preacher fan, make sure you tr- tune into it. But um, how do people do that if they want to find out more? Well, you can write to us at fearmepodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we're on Facebook and Twitter at fearmepodcast. Um, and yeah, that's it. Awesome. So everyone go check them out. Uh, and uh, once again, thanks guys for doing this. We'll have to do it again. Thanks so much for having us. This was a blast. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. All right, everyone. Uh, we'll be back in a second just to wrap this up. But uh, thanks for tuning in. Okay, well, that was super fun. Thanks again to everybody from the Fear Me podcast, Kim and Scott. Too bad Stuart couldn't join us, but uh, he was busy, I'm afraid, and couldn't get to watching the movie in time. And, of course, thanks to my wife, Christina, for joining us as well. Uh, It was almost a new record for the most people ever on the podcast at one time, Jason, but we didn't have five. We had four. Five? Who was five? How did we have five? When did that happen? We've never had five. We've had four a number of times. Oh, I see what you're saying. And and we, we didn't break the record. Yes, I understand now. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. Here I am. <laughs> all right. Uh, yes, all at once we didn't have uh, five people, but it was super fun. Thanks again, guys, for doing that. Um, and Jason, you're back. You're back for to, to wrap things up here. Super, How super was... awesome. I'm excited about it. I'm happy about it. Uh, it's just an honor to be here. What did you do for the last uh, hour or so? It flew by. It literally flew by. It didn't feel like any time at all had passed. <laughs> That's amazing. That's funny how time does that. <laughs> yeah, really. All right. Well, uh, everyone, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to get in touch with us, of course, you can do that by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead, following us on Twitter at talking dead, or just visiting our website at talking dead podcast at gmail no that's the email address talkingdeadpodcast.com send your emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com you'd think I could get that right after all this time oh you'd think I'd be able to eat food without biting my tongue after 40 some odd years of life but god damn it it still happens (laughs) I guess so Uh, all right Um, what are we going to do next I am not sure I will be traveling uh, next week for two weeks I'm on vacation going to be in the UK for a week visiting London and then in Prague visiting family for a week. So that's exciting, but won't be recording a podcast while I'm gone. The bummer is it overlaps with San Diego Comic-Con, as we said last week. Uh, So if that episode is a little bit late, the analysis of the trailer that comes out, I apologize, but we will definitely get to it as soon as possible when I return. Cool. Um, So it might be a few weeks until you hear from us, everyone, but thank you so much for tuning in until next time. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.